Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, just thank you tonight that you do satisfy the deepest desire and longings of our soul. Lord, each of us could probably testify that come to know Jesus Christ, that before we knew you, Lord, we tried so many things, so many things, and they always leave us empty. Sin is so deceptive, and even as a believer, so many yet, yet find themselves wandering back, wandering back to the old way, wondering if there's something there for them, and, and there's nothing. It's so, so often like the Jews, after you led them out of Egypt, they're not in the desert, not 40 days, and they want to go back. They want to go back because how quickly we forget there's nothing there. There's nothing there. Father, I ask you tonight that you would remind us, remind us that you do satisfy the world never will, never can. Sin never satisfies us. It always leaves us broken, full of regret full of pain, full of sorrow. In the moment and in the beginning, it always seems pleasurable. It always seems enjoyable. And then it bites and destroys our life. Now, I would ask you, Lord, tonight that you would open our hearts to understand what it is you're trying to accomplish in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I want to say a few words before I begin tonight. Obviously, we're, we're missing a whole lot of people tonight and kids um, because of our couples retreat that we had with our other Evergreen churches. We decided this year to join them. It's just that we're the only one with the Friday night service, and so all our folks had to skip to go. So that's where a whole bunch of them are. Um, I want to welcome this special family that drove up here from Carroll, Iowa tonight. I'm kind of stunned and a little bit overwhelmed. Uh, someone, I guess, seven or six years ago gave uh, one of them a, a message, and she gave it to her son and changed his life, and they've been listening to them, and here they are. Welcome tonight. It was very, very nice of you to come all the way up here. God bless you. Give them a big hand. <clears throat> I want to talk with you tonight about, um, thank you, Scotty, very much. Something that I believe, I'm going to show you this from the scripture, is the most important thing that God wants to bring about in your life. The most important thing. And the title of this message tonight is The Yielded Life. In Philippians chapter 2, last week, the title of the message is, What is God Trying to Do in My Life? And then I focused on God's Trying to Build Christ's Likeness. He's trying to make you more like his son. And all the things that he brings into your life, in part, is to accomplish that purpose, to make you more like Christ. And one of the reasons he wants to make you more like Christ is that he might use you in this world. That he might use you to have an impact on other people's lives around you. Now, I don't have time to develop all of this, what I want to mention for a moment, but... You have to understand that life is a serious life and death struggle. I mean, you, people are either going to spend eternity in heaven or they're going to spend eternity in hell. There they're going to stand before God, 
completely righteous because of Jesus Christ and accepted into heaven, or they're going to face the judgment of God because they refused his son and they'll die in their sins. <clears throat> in the meantime, in our life here, here and now, until that time that we die, we either live a life that honors God or we live a life that slowly self-destructs. <clears throat> and if you look around our world, it doesn't take very long to recognize how wicked mankind really is, how self-destructive we are, how broken we are. When we do not yield our life to God, then we live a life yielded to sin, and sin always destroys our life. It always destroys our life. Some of us <clears throat> may have experienced a destruction of alcohol or the destruction of drugs or out-of-controlled sexual passions or out-of-control appetites for food or drink or whatever it might be or out-of-control appetite for money or for sleep or for pleasure, whatever it might be. It's very, you see it in marriages, very few people, as a whole, as a whole as a nation, can make their marriage last because we're selfish. And our selfishness destroys us because we want what we want. Jesus came to set us free. To set us free from our selfishness, our brokenness, our sin, and our self-destructive tendencies. He came to give us a new life. But that life comes at a price. First, it comes at a price to God. God had to pay the ultimate price to get you and I. He sent his son into this world to become a sacrifice for our sin. <clears throat> what do we mean by sacrifice? We mean that God had to judge someone. Payment had to be made to satisfy the justice of God. And if Christ did not come, then every person, no matter who they are, will be judged by God and cast, as the Bible says in Revelation, into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever, paying for their own sin. <clears throat> now, I know people who think, wow, that's harsh, Mark. Why would a loving God do something like that? You don't understand, and I've shared this with you before, how wicked sin really is. You know, I'm just going to use a simple example for a moment of how far we have fallen as a nation. How far we have fallen as a nation from being repulsed by sin. Abortion. We're now at almost 55 million little babies. I, I, I love babies. We love babies at this church, if you don't know that. Usually we have lots of them here. In the last six years, seven, there's almost been 160 children born. Uh, that's because we like to make love, too, with our spouse and have children. <laughs> and children are a blessing. My, my wife and I saw a movie last night. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's the most emotional movie I've seen in my whole life. It was called, I think, The Light Between Two Oceans. And I wept, and then I stopped for a while, then I'd weep some more, and then I'd pause the movie and just be overwhelmed as I thought about some of the difficulties that we've been through as a family, and then how blessed I am. This, this woman has two miscarriages in the, in the, in the movie. And then this little baby uh, washes up on the shore in a boat with a father that died, and so they take this baby. And I had so many feelings as I was watching this movie. 
But one of them, as I just paused multiple times, stood up with tears streaming down my eyes, thanking God for the privilege to be a father. And at the same time, I can't help, it's just the way I am. I was also sobbing at how I live in a nation that vacuums little baby bodies apart out of their mother's womb. That we become so despicably wicked, so wicked, that we just suck their little brains out by the millions in this nation. And yet, we go on about our life, we go on about our day. We are living through a holocaust that is right now almost 10 times worse than what Adolf Hitler did to the Jews in Nazi Germany. And we just carry on. Let me tell you something. There will be a day of reckoning with God. But I'm using it as an illustration. I could go on and on about a number of other types of things that go on, and we just kind of had gotten used to them. We've gotten accustomed to them. God does not get accustomed to them. God does not get used to them. So he brought his son into this world, this vile, wicked, despicable world, to save human beings. He loves human beings, but he hates their sin, and he hates what sin is doing. And he sacrificed his son. So, you may have people get a little touchy when you say, Jesus is the only way. <laughs> well, it, 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 it doesn't bother me at all to say Jesus is the only way. God's the one who made it. God calls the shots. And we need to step back and realize, wow, how dare us have the audacity to tell God, after he gave his son and poured out his wrath on his son, that, you know, I don't think I need your son, Lord. I think I can do it a different way. That's our arrogance. That's our rebellion. We are a rebellious race. That's the best way to sum up human beings. We are rebellious from the very core of our being, and we want to be the king or the queen of our own life. But if you want God to use you, if you want God to work in your life, then you must, you must do what we're going to talk about tonight. This is in Philippians chapter 2. Let this mindset, this mentality be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who though he existed in the form of God and is God, did not consider equality with God something to cling to, but he emptied himself as he took on the form of a slave and he became like human beings. So recognized in appearance as a human being, he humbled himself and became obedient to death Yes, death on the cross. Therefore, God lifted him high and exalted him. Now, I want to comment on this. Here, here's, here's the profound example of Jesus Christ. Here's the mentality that we need to have. This is the mindset we need to have. God, you call the shots, you order me, and I submit to your orders. Do you understand? Jesus, God the Father, God the Spirit, they're one, they're three, they're equal. Jesus is fully God. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that through him, God made the world. It was Christ who created the world. It was Christ who created you and me. And we rebel against him. And yet God, Jesus, decides, Father, if you want me to go down there, I will do it. 
and, I, and, I, and no one will know I'm God. And I will confine myself to a body. And I will go through all the things that human beings go through. But what's more, I will live every single day of my life for your will. Jesus said in John, I do nothing to please myself, but only that which pleases the Father. And so, and so all of Jesus' desires, he submitted to God. As a human being, in human form, he submitted all of his desires to God. And he did the will of God. And he obeyed God. And he took orders from God to the point... He was obedient to the point that he died. And, and of course, if you've ever studied his death or read the scriptures or seen the passion, it was not a pleasant death. It was not like Jesus is just going to lay there and we're just going to put, you know, that stuff in your veins and you're just going to go to sleep and you're not going to wake up. It was a really, really, really bad death. It was so bad, it was so difficult that Jesus, as a human, He's God, he's human, in the Garden of Gethsemane, is under such great strain as he thinks about what's coming. It's not only the death that's coming. It's not only the lash, the whip, that had steel tips in the end of it that ripped the shreds right out of your back. But it was the fact that on the cross, God the Father was going to pour out wrath on Christ and that Christ was going to become our sin. I don't know how to explain that in a way that you can get it. Imagine the thing you hate most. For most of us in this room, it's probably going to be a, a pedophile, a, ch a child molester. And imagine, imagine that in order for you to save your family members, you're going to need to be paraded on social media, all across the news, as a pedophile and suffer as a molester and be stamped as a molester before the whole world. And you're going to have to have that reputation knowing it's despicable to me, it's repugnant, it makes me throw up, and I never did it, but I'm going to have to wear it. That's what happened to Christ on the cross. The Bible says in Corinthians that he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might come, become the righteousness of God. So all of the sin of the world, Christ became that in that moment on the cross before God and then God slaughtered his own son. He was the sacrificial lamb. That's what you did with the lamb on the altar. You slaughtered it. That's heavy stuff. Jesus yielded his life. But because Jesus did, God was able to accomplish incredible things through Christ. And he raised him from the dead and it exalted him high above all other names. And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. For the joy set before him. You know what the joy set before Christ was? You. Just as a mother, I've, I, I really don't know how you ladies do it, to be honest. You know, I, I've been through four births with my wife. And then I wasn't with my daughters and daughters-in-laws when they had them. But there's 11 grandchildren. And, and I can tell you that, um, let's just all be honest, it's really painful. It's really painful. It's really hard on a woman's body. I was sharing last week at New Hope, and my daughters and daughter-in-law were there to hear me share this, but I just said, you know, I want to say to all my girls, I'm good with 11. It's okay. You, you don't have to have any more. It's, 
If they want to have more, it's up to them. But, but I understand. I mean, it's painful. And yet every one of my girls in my family, it's just amazing how just almost the moment after that little baby's out, or maybe it might be about an hour, and they put that baby on you, it's just like it's gone. It's just the memory is, begins to fade, and that little child just fills your world with extraordinary joy. That is how God, Jesus, felt about getting you. That's really the truth. Now, see, we have a hard time even grasping that because we live in a world where so many parents just walk away from their kids. Might be the father, might be the mom. And so it's, it's hard even in that sometimes to grasp. God really was excited to get you, so much so that that was the joy that was before him. So he endured the cross because I knew I'm going to get many sons and daughters. I'm going to get many sons and daughters. And I'm just telling you, as a man, as a man, there's nothing in the world, there's nothing in the world that was the thrill of bringing my own children home with the girl that I love. I mean, it's incredible. It's incredible. I just don't think you hear many men talk like this. I don't know if many men allow themselves to feel or if they even value what God gave them. But I'm telling you, having a little child just, just to love and care for and, and, and be with and speak into their life and influence their life. And, and uh, of course, my whole dream was, Lord, I want to give them all back to you. You know, this, this is why I love them so much, Lord. I want to give them back to you for your service. You use them. They're, they're gifts from you, but they are such a blessing. My, I was watching a little, uh, a little video of my two little grandsons. Jeremy's my son here, and he's got three little boys, but two of them the other day, they're pretending to give each other chiropractic adjustments. And my wife and I, are just, she's just roaring in laughter, tears coming down her face. I mean, we would not have that joy without them. Little Charlie, Jesse will send me her little Charlie dancing, and I'm just tears streaming down my face. I'm like, Lord, this is just incredible. Little children, you children, you have to understand, I, I, I'm crazy about you kids, but I know your moms and dads are. Little Blaze, I love Little Blaze. She'll just sit there on my lap. That's one of the beautiful things about Little Blazy. She's just so content. She'll just sit there. It's, it's just incredible. That's how God feels about you. He feels that about you. He loves you. He wants to work in your life, but you've got to work with God. You've got to work with God. I want to share with you one of the most important verses in the Bible in my life. Many years ago, some of you know my testimony, I, was, uh, I grew up in a Christian home. When I was three, I had the 23rd Psalm memorized. I, I had many, many verses memorized by the time I was 10. And my mom and dad, you know how Jeremy will go to these, um, he goes to prisons, he goes to halfway houses. Well, my dad and mom in Los Angeles, California, in those days it was called Skid Row, and they would go down to the Union Gospel Mission at right downtown Los Angeles, the poorest area, and they'd take me. And in those days, they were called winos and derelicts. That's how they were referred to. And my mom and dad would just go right in, and they'd take me in. And my, my mom would play the piano, and my dad, would, he'd take me up on the front, and I'd be leading the singing with the old, most, mostly old men. And, and then my dad would share the gospel. My dad would give them the shirt off their back. I mean, that was my background. But as time went by and my father drifted from Christ, my mother did not, I kind of followed a little bit in his footsteps and I, I really got into the whole hippie rebellion thing. That was really exciting to me. I didn't want anything to do with Christ. I didn't want anything to do with Christianity. 
And so as soon as I graduated, uh, I just took off out of my town. I had my backpack. I walked out to the highway, and I hitchhiked. I hitchhiked and lived in the mountains in Colorado. And then I went to Texas, and then I lived in California for a while. And, and I just thought, you know, and I was a little, to be honest, I was a little bit like Jonah. It was really odd as I look back. I had this big army duffel bag backpack on one of my journeys. And in the bottom, and I don't know why I did this. I, I just don't know why I did it. I stuck my leather Bible. It never been used, but I just stuck it in the bottom. And uh, I never really took it out. I, it was just something that compelled me to st stick the Bible in there. But, but I was like Jonah. I didn't want to do what God wanted me to do. I, I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I wanted to live my life my way. I wanted to do my thing. And, um, you know, many times in my prayer times with the Lord, I've been overwhelmed with uh, emotion as I think about what my life would be today if I had not chosen to follow the Lord, if I had not chosen to obey this verse. So I, <clears throat> God took me through a series of very, very scary uh, circumstances. That's how he got a hold of uh, my, my, he got my attention. I began to read my Bible, and for whatever reason, I began to read in the book of Job, and I came to this verse. And it was as if God just kind of came right out of the Bible and was standing right in front of me. And it says, yield now and be at peace with him. And thereby, good will come to you. Wow. I'm, I'm, I have not forgotten that verse. I've read it that one time. I've not forgotten that verse. Yield, Mark. Give up. Surrender now. Yield, Mark. Yield now. And I was that little kid. I grew up in a you know, background of a father who was, a, my father was a boxer, had been a fighter for a long time, and not just a few fights. He had 132 fights, and he knocked out 117 people. <clears throat> now, he wouldn't let us box, but we were a fairly physical family and fairly athletic family, and I was the kind of kid that would never say uncle. I was the kind of kid my dad, I'd always think I could beat him. And we'd wrestle, and we'd wrestle, and he'd get me in this tight hole, and I couldn't even move, but I wouldn't say uncle. And the tragedy was I was that way with God. I wouldn't say uncle. I wouldn't give in. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't follow his ways. And, and where I really drifted was in my moral life. I became very immoral. And I just did not want to live God's way. <clears throat> and so it was while I was in an immoral relationship that God really, really, really brought the hammer down on my life. <clears throat> and um, he started messing with me. He started messing with my car. <laughs> he started messing with me. Um, and three separate occasions almost took my life. <clears throat> I was 19, and finally one day I just, I just knew I'd had enough. I can't do this anymore. I can't keep rebelling. I felt like Paul, you know, when God struck him down in Damascus, and, and he said, Paul, Paul, why are you kicking against the goads? Why do you keep banging? It's like, why do you keep banging your head against the wall, Paul? Who, who are you? It's me, man. It's me you're running into, Paul. This ain't going to work. That's what was going on. That's the essence of what God said to Paul. And that's the essence of what God said to me. And I just broke. I just broke. And I got out of that relationship immediately. And I began to, to read my Bible, and I began to see that God, 
God wanted to work in my life, but there was a price. And the price that I was going to have to pay was to yield, yield. Now, this is where it gets, some of you may not have heard me share this before. We're going to have to yield to God. We're going to have to yield to Christ. And I'm going to have to learn to obey him in life. And I'm going to have to yield to the unjust, fair, unbelievable, painful difficulties God brings into my life. And that's the part of Christianity that I'll be blunt with you. A lot of people never talk about. They never talk about. I want to show you something in the book of Ezekiel. And then I'll share with you a few examples. But I want to show you what it's going to cost you to follow Christ. Uh, Now, this is not going to happen to every single person. But I want to illustrate the kinds of things at times that God asks. And why God uses some people but does not use others. This is from the book of Ezekiel. A lot of people don't even know it's here. This is Ezekiel chapter 24, and I'm starting in verse 15. Then the message of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel, son of man, I'm going to take away your dearest treasure. Suddenly she will die. You must not show any sorrow. Do not weep. Let there be no tears. You may sigh, but only quietly. Let there be no wailing in her grave. Do not uncover your head or take off your sandals. Do not perform the rituals of mourning or accept any food brought to you by consoling friends. So I proclaimed this to the people the next morning, and in the evening my wife died. The next morning... I did everything the Lord told me to do. Then the people asked, what does this mean? What are you trying to tell us? So I said to them, a message came to me from the Lord, and I was told to give the message to the people of Israel. This is what the Lord says. I will desecrate my temple, the source of your security and pride. Your sons and daughters in Judea will be slaughtered by the sword. Then you will do as Ezekiel has done. You will not mourn in public or console yourself by eating food brought to you by sympathetic friends. And on and on he goes. Wow. What, do you mean, Mark, that if I'm going to live like Christ, that God is going to ask some very difficult things of me? Yes, that's what I mean. And I could stand up here actually uh, way beyond midnight and tell you one very difficult story after another that the Lord has required of me as I've tried to follow him. And, and see, here's the thing. Every single one, every, for me, Ezekiel's is a little bit different. There have been so many occasions that I sincerely with all my heart wanted to quit. I just wanted to quit. I was like, Lord, this, you're asking too much. This is too much. And I look back in my early Christian life, and it was as if God just started right away, which is one baptism of fire after another, after another, after another. And, and, and the, the first big one was with Kathy's parents. <clears throat> and they just, they just despised me. I mean, they just hated me. And what we went through to eventually even get married, it would just blow your mind. And the vitriol and the things that were said and, the, and, 
And this is just after remember that I've been a wild, crazy, rebellious hippie that doesn't take anything from anybody. And now God is just like filleting me. Like I'm thinking to myself, this is not me. This is almost like an out-of-body experience. I don't take this from people. I mean, we're adults. We don't need anybody's permission to get married. And yet, I'll never forget as I walked into their home. Walked into their home with Kathy to meet them and just begin a dialogue. That's all. We weren't going to run off and get married. Only one verse kept running through my mind. This is no lie. One verse. As a lamb led before his shearers, he was dumb. He was silent. It was speaking of Jesus. And I remember as we walked through this garage with this gorgeous car in, the car, you know, in this beautiful home, I'm like, oh my gosh, I think this is, I think this is going to be a really bad night. And it was one of the worst nights of my life. They, they threw me out of their house. But I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. My wife and I, she was not my wife, we submitted. We submitted. We submitted to the circumstances. We yielded to the circumstances through tears, through prayer, for years. And we tried to do everything we could to honor them. Finally, they said they'd come to the wedding. And then three days before, they said they wouldn't. So we canceled the wedding. We called 500 guests. We canceled the wedding. And once again, we yielded to what God was asking. And what those who were advising us thought would be a good thing to do. I never saw my wife, fiance, cry so hard in my life. We'd waited all this time. Three days before the wedding, we're canceling, we canceled it. And then we waited longer. We waited longer. Finally, they just said, you know what? We're never going to come anyway. Just get married. So we did. Three weeks later, my wife conceived. We had our first child. It was no big deal to them. They came up for about a day, and then they left. We weren't even invited to their home until about five years I think it was about four or five years after. You know, I mean, it was, just, it was just crazy. Guess what? Years later, 22 years later, her father came to Christ. Her father got baptized in a lake at Shawnee Mission Park, Kansas. God has done some wonderful things in their life. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to tell you the reason why. Because we yielded. Because we yielded. Same thing happened to my son. He was singing here tonight. What an unbelievable story. I was looking forward to marrying each of my children, you know, performing their ceremony. I could not with Jeremy. I was not able to do that. <clears throat> God used a whole nother different situation. And Kathy and I yielded, and I yielded in that situation. It was very difficult. And about six months after that, Jeremy's wife, her mother came to Christ. And then her mom and dad went through a difficult time. They were apart for a while. And then they had the privilege of helping lead the father to Christ. And then, believe it or not, about a year and a half after that, they asked me to remarry them in their living room. And they are the most dear, precious Christian people you could imagine. You know why? Jesus, he's the credit, he worked in them. But we yielded. And had I not yielded, had I demanded my rights, I believe there would still be a giant rift between us today. When my daughter was sick, I never felt like God asked me more in my whole life. In my whole life. 
And there's much of the story I've never told you, and I really probably can't tonight. But let me just say that things that happened to us during that situation, for almost seven years my daughter was ill, the things that Kathy and I were accused of by the medical community, the things that we were put through, with every fiber of my being, I wanted to absolutely go nuclear. I wanted to go nuclear. I wanted to go ballistic. And, uh, and once again, God was asking me, Mark, yield. 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 Yield to me, Mark. I'm working in your life. I'm working in the situation. I know you can't see it. And some of the scariest things in my life happened after I've been following the Lord for 30 years. We never get past having to yield. But God, here's the thing. Young person, listen to me. Here's the thing. God always keeps his word. And in the yielding, he will eventually bring peace and he absolutely will bring good. And I wish right now the doctors could see my daughter now. And I wish they could see little Charlie now. And, and, and they, they, some of them, to be honest, they just eat crow. But you know what? The Lord knows. The Lord knows. The Lord knows. And he taught me through it. He taught me through it. He taught me, Mark, you can trust me. Mark, I bring back things from the dead. Mark, you trust me. You learn to rest in me. You learn to hold on to me. But Mark, yield and obey me and do what I ask you to do. I know many of you here are going through or facing some particular great challenge in your life right now. Many of you, by the way, I know those challenges. And if you ever want me to pray for you, if you'll share it with me, I will pray for you because many of you, I pray for you every morning. And often, not every day, but often with tears. Because I understand how gut-wrenching it is. You have a pastor, you have more than one pastor, but you have a pastor who's been through some very, very difficult, painful, severe injustices. And so, and so I feel them acutely. When they happen to you, I care about you. I had a young lady come down to me about a week ago, two weeks ago, and she was just sharing with me, um, just, just in passing, a dream she had about something when she was a little kid, but the dream was the reality of the incredibly what I would call incredibly mean and abusive relationship that her father had towards her. And I just, and she was just crying, and I just like, young lady, I'll be so proud to have you as my daughter. I, I, I can't believe sometimes what fathers do. I, I just can't believe it. I can't believe it. We're sinners, and we need the Lord. So I feel acutely the things that you go through. I care about them. But I, but I want you to know this. God will not let you down. I want to close with a verse tonight. I have sent this verse more than any other verse I've sent to people. I've sent this now probably at least 100 times. And whenever I do, I rewrite the verse with your name in it, which is appropriate to do. If you read it yourself, you'll understand it. But it's Isaiah 43. One through five, and it says this. But now, O Israel, 
So I've written to so many people, but now, oh, Tom, or but now, oh, Mary. The Lord who created you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters and great trouble, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. Oh, my gosh, that's hard to believe sometimes. Man, sometimes I've been like, I don't, I don't like water. Just so you know, but I like to drink it. I don't like to really be in it. And when I see what, a, what wind and waves can do, and you, have you ever almost drowned? I, I've have a, I have a couple times. And I, got, I got too far down, too deep, and I, oh, my gosh, I don't want to drown. But sometimes you feel that, like, that way in life. And I love this. When, when you go through difficulty, you won't drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you won't be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave my son, Jesus Christ, to ransom your freedom. He died that you might live. I traded his life because you are precious to me. You're honored and I love you. Do not be afraid. I am with you. I have gone over that passage hundreds of times, hundreds of times, hundreds of times. And as I go through the fire of oppression or I go through some terrible injustice or some awful accusation that has been made against me, and I'm like, Lord, what, I, what can I do? I'm powerless. And it hurts other people. And friends hive off from relationship with me because they believe the lie they heard. It hurts. It's hard. It's difficult. And I go back to my Bible and I go back to my God and I remember, Mark, God, if I yield to you, I'm going to yield to you. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to run. I'm not going to give up. Please don't. Please, please, this weekend, ask yourself, am I yielding to God? Am I yielding to God? What is my attitude, what I'm going through right now? What is my mindset? Is my mindset, Lord, I'm a servant. You call the shots. You call the shots. You've allowed this in my life. You brought this situation. Now help me trust you, Lord. Help me yield through this situation and not go through it with rage and anger. That's going to come. You're going to have to work through that. You're going to have to work through that with God. Yield. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you tonight that you yielded your life for me. That's the truth. You actually could have, you actually could have just said, you know what, guys, I'm coming down off the cross. I don't deserve to be here. I'm not going to stay here. This is unbelievably unjust. This is pathetic. You're all a bunch of wretches. <clears throat> and with the word of your mouth, you could have slayed every single person in sight on that hill that day. And you didn't. You didn't because you love us. And you didn't because you loved your father. And you were yielding to the father. Father, I know there are many here tonight. And you brought some or allowed some very difficult things into our lives. And some are wondering, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to do this one. I don't want to do this one. 
Father, I just ask you tonight that you would give them the courage, you give them the grace and the understanding to recognize this is the Christian life. This is what it means to walk with God. This is what it means to be like Christ. And this is where the power comes into our life, where we experience the grace of God as you meet us in that moment and you'll bring us through that situation and we see you do some pretty amazing things. And sometimes, Lord, <clears throat> they happen <clears throat> almost immediately and sometimes they're years to follow. But I've lived long enough to see them both in the moment and in the 20 years later. Help me, Lord, tonight. I ask you to help me. Help me to yield. At 60 years old, help me to yield. Help me. Help me for the rest of my life to live a yielded life to my Savior, who I love. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, remind you that... Um, Jeremy and Ryan will be starting a series, and uh, it's an important series, but it won't be kid-appropriate, okay? So God bless you guys, and we have some refreshments outside. I'd love to meet you. Bye-bye.